We bring the news. We bring the action. We bring it live. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Finding Human and Sue Jackson. My guest today is myself. It was supposed to be Janet Goldblatt, but unfortunately she had to cancel. But she will be on the show next week with me discussing constellations. Please, will you tune in and listen to it? Today I decided to call my show The Ladder of Life. Rumi said, from the moment you came into this world, a ladder was placed in front of you that you might transcend it. And Sigmund Freud said, out of your vulnerabilities will come your strength. Last week, we had two workmen come to repair something that was located right at the back of the top of a cupboard, very high up. They asked if I had a ladder. And I showed them a few ladders that we had. There were a few sizes. The first ladder was the shortest, but also, I might add, the sturdiest, as it opened like a trestle table and could stand firmly on its own. Was this a wise choice? Well, even I, the most unhandy, handy woman, could see he was never going to reach the top with that one. Even though he climbed to the top rung, and stretched his arm as far as he could, he could not reach it. So he changed to the next ladder, a more rickety one. By the time he got to about the third rung, the ladder and the climber were wobbling rather ominously. Well, fortunately, in stepped his workmate and held the ladder firmly while he climbed to the top one rung at a time. He then climbed feeling more secure, knowing who could reach the top and fix what was needed, fixing. On my drive here today, I came down 12th Avenue past Linksfield Clinic, and I, I was wondering if it wasn't a kind of a, a, if I wasn't seeing something, because there was a man standing on top of a ladder painting a wall, an outside wall. And he, it was a freestanding ladder, no one holding it uh, with him. Um, for him, should I say, and he was, he had his paint um, pot on, on the top of the ladder and he was leaning over rather precariously, I thought, to paint the the wall. Well, all I can say is that I sent him a bit of protection in my head, hoping he would remain on that ladder and be able to come home safely. Well, while I was watching the decisions that were being made in my home last week, I realized that the different ladders tried, the uncertainty with the wobbles, then the feeling of security as a hand was held out for support, and ultimately, slowly, one rung at a time, reaching to fulfill the ultimate purpose of his visit, I realized that similar to a mountain climb, which I have mentioned before, so it is with the many rungs of the ladder we step onto. Sometimes climbing to the next rung, other times gingerly stepping back to the one rung below. I questioned myself later that night. It was it was worrying me, and I don't know why it woke me up. And actually, I got up and I wrote a list. Which rungs do I still need to climb? On one side was written, in order to move forward, what do I still need to do? I might add, there was still a lot I needed to do. On the other, I put, what is working for me to achieve uh, my goals and leading me towards them and onto that next rung? 
And what can I let go of? Which rungs have I already stepped onto and can now leave behind? I also re-looked at my bucket list and to my absolute amazement, I realized that what I thought was important for me to do five years ago, I now had no anticipation or feeling of excitement about. Most of the to-dos were no longer important to me. Instead, my bucket list now was so much simpler and almost innocent in a way and mostly involved the love of family, friends and nature. So I realize that some of the rungs that I have climbed in the past few years have been very unsteady and some were incredibly difficult to find my balance on. Others have been so much easier because I have had people holding my ladder, enabling me to confidently step onto the next rung, how lonely the climb would be on my own. I know that many of you are battling at the moment to climb up to the next rung. And I just want to say to you, if you need to stop on the rung that you're on for a while, just to give yourself a breather, do so and allow people to also just assist you a little bit. Sometimes it is easier to climb our own ladder than it is to watch others climbing theirs. So often you want to do it for them. If you think about a, a baby trying to walk and uh, they're needing to fall and get up again and fall again and and so it is with all of us as we climb our ladder. Then I also looked at gratitude, which is very definitely one of the ways we can find meaning in our lives. My views on life have certainly in the last five years been reinvented and regenerated. If you have any SMSs or uh, WhatsApps you'd like to send, please SMS me on 34519. Or on, you can WhatsApp on 0621482374. Now, everybody is born with the potential to find meaning and to be a partner in our lives and also to find gratitude about something. There is a story called The Place Ahead. A wise man was sitting, resting at a crossroads, situated at an equal distance between two towns, when a traveler approached him and asked, What is it like in the town up ahead? And the wise man said, What was it like in the town you've just come from? It was an awful place, the traveler said. The people were mean and unfriendly. They were absolutely stupid. I couldn't get on with them at all. Well, said the wise man, I'm afraid you'll find the town up ahead just the same. A short while later, another traveler approached the crossroads. He had come from the same town as the first traveler, and he too wanted to know what it was like in the town up ahead. Tell me about the town from which you have just come, the wise man asked. What was it like? It was a wonderful place, said the second traveler. I couldn't have hoped to meet friendlier people. They were a joy to be with. 
Then, said the wise man, I'm sure you will find the town up ahead exactly the same. This is our attitude. It is a part of the joy that we can find in life, the gratitude. And life is made up of joy and suffering. Suffering has a very challenging character to it. It causes tension in us and forces us to find the meaning in it. Going back to the ladder, we could prepare well and find the safest, sturdiest ladder and make our climb up there easier. However, what lessons, experiences are we going to miss out on, on this safe route, this safer ladder? There is such a thing that Viktor Frankl calls unalterable fate, certain things that cannot be changed. They are a part of our destiny and make up the very fabric of our lives. My husband Leon reminded me yesterday that steel is tempered with fire and heat and hammering. The more you hammer it and the more heat is applied, the stronger the steel becomes. The hammer blows of fate shape us and are a part of the ascension to the next rung of our ladder. We do have the capacity to live with uncertainty to be hammered, to actually have the blows, perhaps at times fall under them, but stand up again. We are expected to answer the call, my child, where are you? And we have the freedom of will not to be free from something, but free to change how we respond to these blows of fate, this unalterable fate. What attitude do we need to apply now? This freedom to choose our attitude is the only true freedom we have. I have a few people in the studio with me. I would just, just, uh, Craig has just held up something for an advert, but wait one moment, Craig, while I thank you and Vusi. When I first began on this program, I really didn't know what was expected of me. And having Craig and Vusi holding up my ladder has certainly helped me. Thank you, Craig and Vusi. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and you've just listened to Viktor Frankl on the freedom of choice. Um, his words have such wisdom in them. And the, when I was questioning myself the other night about what I had to let go of, I also looked at what of my own behavior had become self-defeating. And I must admit, I was quite disheartened to see that there was quite a bit there. And I think if we each are honest with ourselves, we will realize that. Now, we each have certain attributes. And in the story of Jacob's dream of a ladder, in that Pasha, there was a bridge from earth to heaven. The ladder had its feet on the ground and its head reached up to the heavens. One message we get from this is that it is our job here on earth to build a bridge between the physical and the spiritual realms. And I believe to build a bridge between each other, between all of us, 
each human being. It is our mission to use whatever gifts we have, be they spiritual, physical or material, to ascend this ladder. We have to make sure that we balance our ladder, not to get sucked into the mundane, material existence of life, but actually to reach beyond this, to reach towards something higher, more fulfilling and more spiritual. We don't always know what that is, but our actions and our reactions are our responsibility, as Frankel said. They are our choice. We cannot lay the blame at anyone else's feet. There is a saying, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you'll never get anywhere. I actually also had to change a tire this week. We'll have a nail taken out, and it was um, preventing me from moving forward a bit. We also cannot disconnect from this earthly place. I have been at the Kotel in Jerusalem, where I have seen people uh, thinking that they're the Mashiach, and uh, one young man told me the story of someone who rushed up to him and with his arms open wide saying he was the Mashiach and promptly fell on the floor and uh, they poured some water over him to try and revive him. Well, I suppose, uh, you know, sometimes we do disconnect from this earthly place and I should imagine uh, at the Kotel it's quite easy at times to do so. But we have to remain grounded to live responsibly and to strive to build that bridge between the physical and the spiritual realms. Is it easy? Never. Stephen Covey said, Most people spend their lives climbing the ladder of success only to realize when you get to the top, the ladder has been leaning against the wrong wall. Now this reminds me of when I was a young child, Not well, actually throughout my childhood, we used to go with um, other families to the Drakensberg every year in April. And we climbed Montesaurus and used to sleep at the, the hut at the top. It was the most invigorating, unbelievable experience. And to see the world above the clouds is, is something that I will certainly never forget. But climbing up there was one of the greatest challenges that I ever had. I, we used to have to go up certain sections of the cliffs on a rope ladder. Now, it's all very well seeing where your ladder ends, but when you don't see where your ladder ends and that it's actually moving in the wind, it's a terrifying thing to step onto that first rung. First of all, I could not see where it was attached to because it was attached over the top of the cliff. And in my absolute terror, I would freeze until eventually the game ranger realized there was no ways I was going to step onto that rung. I was going to sit at the bottom there and remain there for the next few days until everyone else descended the mountain. So he put a rope around my waist and he went up ahead of me and... I followed him knowing that I was safely attached to him. It was an amazing feeling of, uh, what would I say, achievement, 
I knew I wasn't doing it on my own. I knew someone else was doing it with me, but it was okay. It was all right to have him by my side because it was only years later, I would say in my 50s, that um, one of the ENT specialists asked me how I was on a a moving bridge um, or a, a, a ladder, a rope ladder or anything like that. And I said, I, I froze. It was terrible. And then he explained to me that I actually had a problem in my middle ear. Well, I wish I'd known that when I was a child. <laughs> but but um, at least I had someone helping me up there. And when I, each time I did get up to the top, the rest of the team who were already at the top would be clapping for me, which uh, was quite, a, you know, kind of well done, Susan kind of thing. It was a very nice feeling. Um, you know, uh, I saw something in a documentary on India and the slums in India. There was a strong, um, albeit a thin man, carrying two buckets on either side of him attached to a strong wooden pole which went across his shoulder, his neck and shoulders. This man was the waste collector. And as he went around the slums, more and more waste was put in the buckets until they were full and he was bowed under by their burden, actually bowed under, should I say. However, once he had emptied those buckets into a large reservoir, his load was lifted and he was able to strengthen his back, flex his muscles and make his way back for his next haul. This man worked alone, balancing the weight of these tasks between two buckets. As I said, we cannot climb another person's ladder. We cannot fill their empty buckets or their spaces. And if we try, we sometimes lose our own energy and we exhaust ourselves. We can, however, show others that we believe they can meet their challenges and we can certainly encourage them with each rung of their ladder that they have to climb. If you would like to WhatsApp me, you may do so on 34519 or, uh, sorry, uh, SMS me on 34519 or WhatsApp me on 062-148-2374. Now, I have another um, advert, that, or at least another YouTube that you're going to listen to at the end of the show. Um, but also, uh, it's, a, it's a summary of, uh, of much of Viktor Frankl's work. But... Um, you know, there is a, another saying, which is, chaos isn't a pit, it is a ladder. Many who try to climb it fail and never try again. The fall breaks them. Some are given a chance to climb, but they refuse. They cling to illusions. Only the ladder is real. The climb is all there is. Now I've had many of you asking, who am I? Well, sometimes, as I said, I ask myself, who am I? I am a wife, a mother, a mother-in-law, a grandmother. And all of these roles bring tremendous meaning to my life. And, of course, I am a friend. I am a nursing sister. 
Um, and I have had 18 years at, at uh, hospice experience where I was a counselor, a tra- trainer, and a group facilitator. I am a motivational speaker, mainly on Viktor Frankl's work, logotherapy. I did logotherapy in my 50s, and I ended up as a lecturer at UNISA and was a founder of the Viktor Frankl Institute of South Africa. I have a diplomat of logotherapy. And logotherapy and spreading the the words, the wise words of Viktor Frankl have now become my life's work. Uh, There is another saying, in my life I have lived, I've lost, I've missed, I've hurt, I've trusted, I've made many mistakes, but most of all I have learnt. Do you know that today the most amazing thing happened? My very good friends in Australia, Judy and Les, sent me this wonderful poem, and I need to read it to you because I felt it was it was not just by chance that it arrived. <clears throat> and Lee, I know you'll enjoy it too. It's called The Peace of Wild Things, and I think we can all appreciate that in our rather chaotic world at the moment where things are, are we are questioning a lot. It's by someone called Wendell Berry. And it goes, When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still waters and I feel above me the day, the day blind stars um, about to fill with their lights. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and I am free. I think it, that is the most beautiful, beautiful poem. Thank you so much, Jude. Um, we are going to be playing this um, in a minute, moment as soon as um, Craig tells me to. But I want to just ask you, I have a questionnaire here, and it's a questionnaire that we all need to ask. What courage is being asked of me now? What attitude should I choose now? What is this time saying to me? What, how should I respond to it? And how best can I live in this time? There's also what's called a modulation of questions, attitude questions. Why is this challenge happening in my life right now? What can I learn from it? What opportunities for growth does it offer me? What latent potential can I manifest to meet this challenge effectively? How can I see this challenge as for me, as life speaking to me directly through this event? without me finding excuses or blaming someone else or something else? What inner wisdom can I draw on 
and how can I bring my life experience to bear on this situation? And to me, this is one of the most important things we can learn from life. Our lives were never empty to get to this point. We have all learned so many lessons. We have built up so many gifts that we can use now. The choices we have made, we can see the mistakes we've made, we can see what we've done that worked for us, and we can work on all of those. It's an amazing thing to know that we have that inner strength. And it's, it's part of what uh, Viktor Frankl calls that defiant power of the human spirit. It's that part of us that remains in us always. Whatever we has, have faced is, is not just thrown away. It becomes part of us and can become our strength. Then we need to ask, but what barrier or behavior pattern am I being challenged to overcome? This is a hard one to be honest about. What new behavior am I being asked to develop? I might add that I have been a vegetarian for a long time and I have realized that I really need to eat more protein. But the thought of eating meat, um, I know I had Ian Lurie on my show last, last week and I, and I know he's a very, very popular butcher. He has a very popular butchery. But I must admit, Ian, I won't be coming in there except to buy a biltong for my grandchildren. However, I am trying my hardest to eat some protein. How have I already grown from this event? Now, that is something also that we need to ask. As I said, it's part of that defiant power of what we've already achieved, what we have done successfully and we will never lose that. And then what choices will I make for my future in response to this challenge? My The um, next uh, thing that I would like to go through with you is the different rungs of the ladder of life. You know, with the first four, we can say we can blame others on the first rung. The second one, we make personal excuses. The third one, we can say, I can't go any longer, any further. Then the fourth one, we can say, hang on, uh, let me wait and, and hope that something will help me. Then we go over, we, wait, we go beyond that hope and that waiting, and we begin to acknowledge reality. We then embrace it. On the, on the next rung. Then we find solutions. And finally, we make it happen. And we have reached the top. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. I'm back again. Um, we're now, we're going to also, as I said, next week, I've got Janet Goldback on constellations and, and she'll be talking about family constellations, our personal contact, Scott, uh, oh, I can't get the words out, constellations and how it fits in with Torah and with our lives. So that l- rungs of the ladder of life, just to go back to that for one moment. The bottom part, the blaming others, the personal excuses, the I can't, 
the wait and hope. That is all victim behavior. Saying, oh, things just happen to me. I don't have a choice. So, I, I, it just, that's, that's what happens. Everything always goes wrong in my life. Then we go on to the acknowledged reality. Embrace it. Find solutions and make it happen. Now that is what's called accountable behavior. Things happen because of you. You have opened yourself to the experience, to allowing yourself to get on to the next rung. And I think this is not, uh, it's not easy at all. And if you want to know where I found this, this rap, this rings of the, rungs of the ladder, it was actually on Pinterest. And I was incredibly excited about finding it. We are going to be ending with um, uh, Viktor Frankl, and, and it's actually an animated version of his Man's Search for Meaning. I would just like to tell you that Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, if none of you have read it, please do so. It is um, a life-changing book, <clears throat> sorry, and um, it, it really will make you think. Thank you so much, and I'll be back with you tomorrow at 9. During the Holocaust in the 1940s, Viktor Frankl spent three years as a prisoner in the Auschwitz and Dachau concentration camps. His wife, father, mother, and brother died in these camps. He was faced with extreme hunger, debilitating illnesses, and brutal living conditions. Yet unlike the prisoners around him, he somehow managed to find hope and meaning during one of the most catastrophic events in human history. It's no wonder Man's Search for Meaning sold over 10 million copies and became one of the most influential books in the world. With that said, let's have a look at three powerful lessons we can learn from the book. Lesson 1. He who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. Frankel was confronted by a fellow inmate. Let's call him Felix. Felix shared a dream he had in February 1945. A voice told him he could wish for something, so he wished to know when he would be liberated from the concentration camp and have his sufferings come to an end. The voice replied, March the 30th. Felix had a strong sense of hope and was convinced the voice in his dream was right. As the date ticked closer, the war got worse, making it appear to be very unlikely that freedom was near. On March the 29th, Felix suddenly became ill. On March the 30th, the day he expected to be free, he lost consciousness. On March the 31st, he was dead. To paraphrase Frankel's own words, the ultimate cause of my friend's death was that the expected liberation did not come and he was severely disappointed. This suddenly lowered his body's resistance against the latent typhus infection. His faith in the future and his will to live had become paralysed and his body fell victim to illness. And thus, the voice of his dream was right after all. To back up this case, a chief doctor of the concentration camp witnessed an increased death rate of prisoners between Christmas 1944 and New Year's 1945. The doctor believed this was due to prisoners having false hope that they would be home again by Christmas. As the time drew near, many lost hope and fell into an endless sleep. So you might be asking, 
What can we learn from these stories? Well, Frankel sums it up by saying, Any attempt to restore a man's inner strength in the camp had first to succeed in showing him some future goal. Whenever there was an opportunity for it, one had to give them a why, an aim for their lives, in order to strengthen them to bear the terrible how of their existence. Basically, the prisoners who found a reason to live had a stronger will to live and chance of coming out alive, and those without a reason to keep going increased their likelihood of severe illness and death. Frankel goes on to describe two prisoners who were contemplating suicide. They used the typical argument that they had nothing more to expect from life, but they didn't commit suicide. Why? Because they found meaning, a reason to keep going. For one it was his child waiting for him in a foreign country. The other man was a scientist who had written a series of books which still needed to be finished. A man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears toward a human being who affectionately waits for him, or to an unfinished work, will never be able to throw away his life. He knows the why for his existence, and will be able to bear almost any how. Lesson 2 Love is the ultimate and highest goal to which a man can aspire. Frankel emphasizes that everyone's meaning is completely unique, and that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which a man can aspire. It was one man's love for his child that kept him pushing forward, and for another, it was his love for sharing his findings with the world through books. For Frankel himself, it was the love for his wife that kept him going. He realized the power of love on a cold, dark day where he and his inmates were commanded to march out to a work site. The emaciated prisoners were beaten and forced to trudge over large stones and icy terrain. One inmate whispered to Frankel, If our wives could see us now, I do hope they are better off in their camps and don't know what is happening to us. Upon reflecting on this time in the past, Frankel said, I did not know whether my wife was alive and I had no means of finding out. But at that moment, it ceased to matter. There was no need for me to know. Nothing could touch the strength of my love, my thoughts, and the image of my beloved. Had I known then that my wife was dead, I think that I would still have given myself, undisturbed by that knowledge, to the contemplation of her image, and that my mental conversation with her would have been just as vivid and just as satisfying. The final lesson is this. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Before Frankel was put in a concentration camp, he was working as a clinical psychiatrist. He once had a client with severe depression. Let's call him Peter. Peter could not overcome the loss of his wife, who died two years ago. Frankel asked him, What would have happened if you had died first, and your wife would have had to survive for you? Oh, he said, for her this would have been terrible. She would have suffered. Frankel replied, You see, Peter... Such a suffering has been spared, and it was you who have spared her this suffering. He said nothing, shook Frankel's hand, and calmly left the office. Frankel said, In some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. Of course, this was no therapy in the proper sense, since first, his despair was no disease, and second, I could not change his fate. I could not revive his wife. 
But in that moment, I did succeed in changing his attitude toward his unalterable fate, and he could now at least see a meaning in his suffering. In the world today, countless people who've found themselves in seemingly hopeless circumstances have found meaning in their lives. Nick Vujicic is a living example. He was born with no arms or legs, but he overcame his disabilities to live an independent, rich, fulfilling life where he serves as a role model to help millions of people to overcome adversity and live meaningful lives. Some things in life are inevitable. The loss of loved ones, terminal illnesses, and forgotten memories. Whatever we do, man's search for meaning challenges us to accept that we cannot avoid suffering, but we can choose how to cope with it, find meaning in it, and move forward.